Talk of the Town, a podcast by the town at sea where we have candid conversations with Bay Area athletes, sports influencers, and individuals pushing the game forward. I'm your host, Mel Johnson. This week we sit down with physical performance coach and town council member Gina Woodward. We get into the trifecta of Gina, as we call it, exploring her career as a player, a coach, and a trainer. Tune in. Gina, how's it going? Pleasure to have Good. you on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. This is so cool. Yeah, no doubt. All right, so let's jump right into it. Um, first thing I want to ask you, kind of a little icebreaker is, what is one interesting fact about yourself that most people wouldn't know? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I mean, I guess most people want to know that I've had, like, um, interesting fact. I mean, a lot of people don't know I'm half Mexican. That's a fun one. I've also had like four surgeries, so, and the very random ones. So that's kind of a fun fact too, <laughs> if we're talking about performance and being an athlete, right? <laughs> yeah. Nice. Okay. Um, so let's, let's go. Let's tell us about your background. You know, you mentioned you're half Mexican. So tell us a little bit about your yeah. background, you know, where you're from, you know, your origin story, if you will, like, and how you fell in love with the game. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm a SoCal native. Um, my mom's Mexican. My dad is American, we'll just say that, you know, still a tall white guy, I love him. Um, But yeah, so I'm from Southern California. Um, My soccer journey is a little different. Um, I actually come from, my dad played professional baseball. Um, We're like a baseball family. I played baseball, but the soccer came from uh, my older brother, kind of a bigger guy. You know, when he was little, my mom was like, baseball's really not cutting it for my son to get enough exercise. So uh, my mom joined this indoor soccer league and was like, oh my gosh, this is so much work. Like I need to get my older, my son in here. And that's literally the rest is history. My older brother fell in love with it. I, um, he's pretty significantly older than me. He's almost seven years older. So I was a little girl. I was running around chasing the ball for him at his practices. And I just thought it was the coolest sport ever. And, you know, having an older brother that let me join in, even though I was tiny, like, I mean, that's really how I fell in love with the sport was just being a little sister on the sideline, waiting for my turn to give this sport a try. <laughs> dope, dope. So um, talk a little bit about your, you know, your youth career. Um, did you play in SoCal or did you, um, did you only come up here for college or? How, yeah, how I only, I, I got up here. Um, I got, I played soccer at Cal. I graduated from Cal, but yeah, no, I grew up down in Southern California. I played in the, grew up in the system down there, um, played on multiple clubs, big clubs, uh, like Arsenal and stuff. Um, but yeah, I played on a boys team. So like I, I grew up playing with like a girls team and a boys team. So that was mm-hmm. pretty awesome and fun, uh, being able to have like double games on the weekends and double practices during the week. But, but yeah, that's, yeah, going up there and I am a ex SoCal. So new New York Cal person. <laughs> sure. Talk about that a little bit though. You say you mentioned that you played on a boys team and the girls team. Um, yeah. What advantages or disadvantages do you think that was, or that you had doing that? Um, I think, I mean, I honestly, I think like advantages, obviously playing with boys is there's a higher tempo. It's more intense. Um, it's, uh, I don't want to use the word it's more competitive, but it's just definitely more like, um, more push and pull more, you know what I mean? Like little more nitty gritty, kind of like getting on your play teammates a little bit more. Um, but then like, you know, advantages kind of left after a while once 
um, the boys started getting older, started developing. Um, but I think the advantages I took away from that were definitely a pretty intense competitive nature. Um, I grew up with only brothers, so it's kind of what I'm really familiar with anyways, but, um, definitely gave me that like extra umph on the field, but also helped me play a lot faster too. Cause boys, obviously, as we got older, um, I used, was pretty physically dominant when we were younger with the boys. And then, like I said, puberty hit and I had to change my game. I had to play one and two touch. I couldn't dribble or outrun guys anymore. So it became more of a mental game. And honestly, that takeaway to the women's side or to just pure girl side really gave me an advantage. I felt like I was quite a few steps ahead. Oh, definitely. So you mentioned that you played at Cal um, mm -hmm. and unfortunately you had to medically retire due to serious injury. So mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit about the mental and emotional effects that that had on you and how um, you overcame those? Oh, man. I mean, being a soccer player was I mean, I played other sports growing up, but that was my identity. So I, I really had like an identity crisis. Um, I didn't really know if I still fit in with the team um, because I was injured. And like while I was medically retired and I still was kind of like allowed to be in and around the team, like, I don't know, I had a really tough transition with it and I really couldn't like settle myself. I didn't have anything to do. I, um, I definitely was in a not a very light, happy place. Um, and I mean, getting out of it was more, uh, I had to change my mindset. Um, I kind of had to get out of this kind of victim, why me mentality and kind of put my big girl soccer boots on and figure out a plan on how to get me back on the field. And I think doing that and kind of refocusing myself away from like, this sucks. I'm so sad to like, all right, Gina, let's get a plan. How can we do this? What do we need to do? Um, who do I need to see? So it, it just kind of, it went from something kind of negative to something really positive that actually led me down the path that I am today. I don't know who I'd be if I actually didn't medically retire or where I'd be. So I'm happy yeah, about that. For sure. I'm glad you mm -hmm. were able to kind of bounce back and find your way back. That's actually a pretty yeah. good segue as well. Like what advice mm -hmm. would you give young players who, you know, have the unfortunate event of having their careers ended or cut short um, mm -hmm. you know, due to injury? I mean, I think it's all about, I think that having a grieving process is real. I know some people I saw were like, oh, you're going to be fine. Like you're going to move on and do stuff. But like, I think having a moment, having a little bit of time to kind of like, you know, let it sink in and, and be sad. But then also, you know, after sadness, you have to have a plan. You have to get up, you have to rally, you have to do something. And I think that's the biggest thing is how can you take your sadness into a plan? like that energy, that kind of vibration of being sad and changing the vibration to more like, all right, what can I do to fill this time? What can I do to be better? You know, and just kind of taking that experience and maybe helping others with it too. I think that's the biggest thing is like, when I tell my injured players now, I'm like, come up, let's come up with a plan. Let's make goals so that it's, we have like that on the field mentality, off the field or trying to get back on or even segueing into a different career. Yeah. Not for sure. And so, I mean, we've talked about, you know, we've used the word retirement, right? Yeah. Um, medically retire, but that wasn't, that actually wasn't the end of your career. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you, you actually played for the Bay Area Breeze um, with mm -hmm. a notable national teamer on your squad. Um, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that experience? Oh, man. I mean, like I said, I think everything happens for a reason. And with that injury, like I really needed time and I really was able to get the time to train and make this team. But playing on the Breeze, with these high level women, like being, I think I started the team at 20 was 
just incredible. And I think that I, I learned so much just from being around them and like being that scrappy young gun that they kind of put under their wing. We're like, Hey, 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 like take a deep breath. You know what I mean? Like, and I think, I think it was kind of like a cheat code into like the rest of my career and being surrounded by women who have so much experience. And we're honestly not just saying that, but like, we're willing to help the young cat out in the field instead of kind of stay in their lane. So I think that's really special too. And I think being around them as mentors and teammates, like that really left an impression on me of like, you know, it doesn't matter how big you are, like reaching down and kind of reaching into the youngers or to the less experienced means the world to us. So like, like I'm 32 right now, walking around, trying to do what I can to help inspire the younger generation too, you know, maybe like a pay it forward kind of vibe is what I took from it. Like, I want to be like them, you know, and pick the younger kids yeah. up when they're scared and nervous, you know, Hey, it's all right. You're going to be good. Like just take a deep breath. Every time you do this, you get more experience, which is what they told me whenever I was nervous. Hey, it's good. You're 20. Every time you make a mistake, don't worry about it. It's another notch under your belt. Don't worry about it. So I think that's a life lesson too, right? Yeah, for sure. And it seems mm -hmm. like you definitely got a good foundation, a good coaching foundation from that mm -hmm. as well. Um, yeah. talk, talk a little bit about um, this European tour that you guys went on, uh, four goals and four games. Oh my gosh. We were, that team was on fire. We had chemistry and it was funny because like, it's like on paper, you're like, oh, but that was a completely different team almost than what we played with the last season. So like, it was just what an experience. Like I, I think about it and I, and I talk about it all the time where I'm like, man, when we went to Scotland and England, like stepping into a lineup with women like that and just, just following their lead is really what we did. And like the senior players stepped up and like picked us up. We're like, Hey, you know, on the field communicating. I mean, I mean, it was almost like an out-of-body experience, like, and then playing against these high-level players from a different country, too, like, what, I mean, there's no really better situation for me, like, I was, I was having the blast just being there and, you know, being a part of the team and just kind of taking, following their lead, you know, showing up to games and getting after it right away. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it seems like you killed it out there, like, four goals in four games is, yeah. is extraordinary, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and you know you're you're still currently playing. You play for the San Francisco Nighthawks. Mm -hmm. um, you guys recently won your conference, the WPSL conference, conference, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. What a um, game. So, how, talk about how you juggle like work, business, which we'll get into <laughs> later. You know, playing and personal life. Yeah, I have a clone. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I just I feel like I've always been that kid, anyways. Like. Um, when I don't have a bunch of things going on, I'm sad and bored. So like, but like when I have a full schedule, like my, then like that kind of momentum every day, it just, it fuels me. And I, I don't really know kind of how else to live. I just kind of make time, find time. And I guess that's something that I'm still learning how to like draw some boundaries. Right. And like compartmentalize time. But it's like, when it comes to footy and I, like me playing, I make time. I really try to balance my schedule at some at all costs sometimes I win sometimes I lose but I really just try to make the effort and just make it happen but like I said I've just been I grew up playing so many different sports at the same time like bless my mother shuttling me and my brothers everywhere so so you know what I mean like it's like it's not not like I it's like a new feeling having eight different balls in the air so it just yeah. just kind of happens I guess <laughs> 
Hey, trust me. I know the feeling. Like I'm, I wear multiple hats yeah. in multiple places. So yeah. I definitely understand the, the juggling piece, you know, having children, a wife. Oh, uh, no kids for me. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Know, that kind of thing. So it's definitely, it's definitely a, a juggle, but I do understand that side of you where you said like it fills you. Mm-hmm. But I definitely, like I get that energy in the, the tiredness of it. Yeah. You know, like it's exhausting. But then you also get that energy, like I, I'm building something that's for me. Yeah, I'm doing something that I love to do, and so it's it's always a, a interesting balance that we have to kind of strike in those situations. Yeah. Um, talk a little. Tell me a little bit about the state of women's soccer in the Bay Area. Um, mm. You know, we have a WPSL league out there. I'm sure there's some other um, lower level leagues as well. There's no W. There's no NWSL team yet. Mm-mm. There's a bid, South Bay bid currently. Um, but kind of talk about the state of the of the game in uh, in the Bay. I mean, I just think it could be better. Um, and I think, you know, coming from a, a area or I guess a time when I was younger where we had FC Gold Pride, we had um, various W League teams as well. Um, we had the Bay Area Breeze, my team, like, and like kind of, oh man, it's been such a roller coaster now that I think about it. Because it was like coming into college, right, we had the WPS. Um, like I said, FC Gold Pride. Um, as I was, you know, with the Breeze, WPS folded. No more FC Gold Pride. My team ended up folding. And it's just kind of been a little bit of like a desert landscape for the girls, especially like on our side of the bay. Um, for the girls to come watch, whether it's me play or any high level teams, they kind of have to wait for college. And, you know, I just, I think this is an under underutilized area and I'm I'm happy that LA finally has two teams but like you know it's, but I'm just kind of up here where I feel like the girls are kind of left hanging up here a little bit yeah do you think uh the baking can sustain two teams yes two I do teams? I do and I think that's the thing where it's I just don't think people realize the potential of the play of here yet and like because I when I coach I like I said I grew up in the SoCal system and soccer is is it's getting similar up here, but it's still different. Like it's a little more intense and like a little more competitive, but I just think that's where it's been for longer, but the Bay area is starting to do that now. And I think that I think now would be the time to have two teams because the teams here are getting momentum. The players, the clubs are getting bigger. The players are getting better. More clubs are getting, like, I guess there's more uh, higher level clubs here now forming. So I think now would be a perfect time to have um, two two pro teams here, absolutely. There's so much soccer here. Yeah, and I don't think people realize, like, understand the geography of the Bay Area. Like, yeah, it may look small on the map, but like from the East Bay to um, to the South Bay, it's a, it's a cool forty miles. You know, yeah. like it's a cool like hour drive. You know, like most people don't want to want to take that trek. So like it, it's definitely like micro microcosms and, yes. and you know microclimates at the same time of, oh, for of sure. fan bases that you can you can build so yeah could probably sustain three teams like one on the peninsula one in the south bay one in the east bay i agree 100 you know? and like like i said coming from la when we look at california in the map the bay looks like it's this big you know like oh i can mm-hmm. get no like and that's like i said there's so much soccer in the peninsula there's tons of soccer in the east bay and then right here along the shoreline there's tons of soccer i think three teams is realistic as well for sure um, we won't see that happen, you know, the end of it still has to get their stuff together, but we can dream, you know, right? Hopefully one day. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Um, so kind of staying on that a little bit, like what are some things you'd like to see done better? Like with, with what we have currently, 
Mm, that's a fantastic question. I just, I think what could be done better is um, how could we just get more involvement with like the 16 to 19 year old girls and like the girls or young women that maybe just missed that college opportunity or playing junior college. And I think that's like, I know the WPSL is here, but I think the biggest hole would be getting teams like U21 teams or just more kind of women's teams to help support that age group. Because I had that in Southern California. There's lots of, well, at that time, well, even now too, there's lots of teams. There's lots of women's teams. There's different leagues for like, if I have time in the summer to jump in, because I think that's where a lot of the development comes from, you know, bringing more awareness to the Bay Area level in terms of getting girls to play in college and then having them go play at the next level. So I think that's a big gap that's missing is trying to like connect the dots. And I'm, and I'm speaking in this little corridor too, like there's really not much um, kind of that next level push besides their club teams to play on. Um, and then with that, you know, when you have something like that for the late teens, then those girls that are younger see something that's closer and more attainable than like being young and like high school, college, you know? So like, there's just multiple ways for these girls to play and get more experience and then become inspired too. I think we're just kind of missing a little more of that. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so before we switch gears, mm -hmm. I got a little question for you. Sure. You went to Cal. Yes. Who's the greatest women's player to come out of Cal? Oh, I mean, I could give you different years, but I, I mean, I think one of the biggest ones right now is Alex Morgan. She's so effective. Like, playing, played against her at Cal, or played with her at Cal, played against her growing up. Um, just personal experience. I think she's a phenomenal player. Mm -hmm. And there's rising players coming up too. These young, some of these new girls. I'm so excited. These sophomores and uh, freshmen and juniors on the team. I think we're going to see some superstars down the line coming up. But I think right now it would be Alex Morgan. Who are a couple of your favorites coming up? Coming up? Oh, man, Keely yeah. Roy. I think that she is going to be on the map. I think she – I enjoy playing with her. Um, there's another girl, Jordan. I think she's a sophomore now. Um, there's another girl. I don't – I can't – I think it's Aoki. Aoki? Aoki, I think I want to say her name is. She's, like, a rising yeah. sophomore. Ayo, yeah. Ayo, yeah. Um, and there's, like – I can't remember their names, but I just saw them. Oh, Jaden Shim. I think she's a pretty solid player, too. Oh, man, there's so many. Like, I'm just thinking of the roster off the top of my head. I think Sydney Collins is a – is – I can't wait to see her on the national team. I think she's another one that's – she's a senior, a fifth-year senior. I'd love to play with her. <laughs> like, just a solid player. So those – I mean, I just listed, like, I think, like, eight players. I love my team. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I just, I had a call or I, I recorded an episode with Lily, Lilia oh, um, yeah. earlier this week. And we were talking about the women's national team and like some of the rising stars, the, the young crop that are coming up. Who are some of the play? who are some of those players um, for you on the, on the women's national team? I mean, some of the young players, who, who, do, who do you think has next? Next level? I mean, I, yeah. I just, they're like pulling up all these new players. I think Trinity Rodman is out of this world and she's what 19 18 i don't even think she's 20 yet right i think trinity is gonna yeah, be I, th I think she might have just turned 20 might have just turned 20 amazing yeah. i think uh, uh, ashley i think her name is ashley hatch or ashley sanchez i think she's gonna be awesome i can't remember her first name her last name is hatch i was watching her play she has speed 
South Smith, um, another one mm. that's just really nasty on the ball, scored some nice goals. Um, I, there's so many. Like, I, I really like, uh, what's her name, Sofia Huerta. I know she's been a while, around for a while and is kind of back on the national team scene, but I think she's pretty awesome too and a nice enforcer on this outside back line for sure. Yeah, the kids are going to be all they right. They are. There's right. so much more skill. Definitely, definitely a bright future. It is. They're skilled, and they're really starting to have some like next-level intelligence on the ball. As a, our game is developing, right? So it's fun to watch that, mm-hmm. watch them happen, and then even playing with some of these younger girls. Like I played with against Naomi, and she's legit, too. Or Katarina, also legit players. It's sweet playing against these young players. Hmm? Oh, those Stanford players. I know it burns my soul. Yeah. You don't understand. Like I'm like boiling on the inside admitting it, but hey, game recognizes game, right? So I have to yeah, give them sure, the shout. Sure. Respect. <laughs> exactly. Respect. All right. All right. Let's shift gears. Um, you know, this is we're we're calling this the, the trifecta of Gina Woodward, right? <laughs> so we talked about her playing career. Yeah. Um, let's get into the let's get into the second point or the second pillar, which is coaching career, you know. So, you know, you've You've played, but you also have an extensive coaching background as well, working with multiple clubs at the youth level. Mm-hmm. So tell us about your approach to coaching, you know, like especially younger players. Like what are some some things that you would do with them that you wouldn't do with maybe like an older group or like how, how do you approach um, this younger group? Well, the younger groups, I my biggest goal, pun intended, is to make them fall in love with the game. So I try to structure the practices um, as fun as possible as team-oriented, partner, game. I I like to do a lot of gamification, which is just gamifying stuff, but, like, also maintaining the structure of teaching them the game. So it's quite fun. So, like, for example, one of of my favorite games I like to do with them, like, as a warm-up, is they have a ball between them, and they're facing each other. They play rock, paper, scissors. The loser gets to choose which way she wants to run with the ball, and the other girl has to tag. So we're working on body feints, right? So there's two ways they could exit. So teaching them body feints, right? How to move their body, how to run and dribble with the ball and evade a defender, and then working on speed at the same time. But they have no idea this is happening. They're laughing. They're having fun. You know what I mean? And it's like, how can I show them, like, soccer is awesome, but also, like, give them all the technical skill and turn them into little ballers as much as possible, like, in competitive ones, too. And that's the main thing, too, is... I'm that coach on the field with the little ones. I'm teaching them how to tackle. I'm teaching how to reach for the other girls. Like, you know, pretty teaching them that competitive spirit all the while making them, making this fun. So, like, that's my philosophy for the littles. It's just fun, ball at their feet, and competitive. What does it mean to be competitive? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so I'll, I'll kind of reference uh, my conversation with Lilia as well. Again, um, you know, we – talked a lot about coaching so mm-hmm. when you guys listen to this it, it'll probably have already been out by the time you listen to this one. yeah um one thing i asked her about is how she felt about specialization you know we're seeing starting to see a lot of specialization very early mm-hmm. um a lot of kids like specializing in soccer only like at younger ages versus playing multiple sports or you know experiencing multiple sports um what are your feelings about that like how do you how do you feel about that i'm not a fan I'm not a fan. They should, they should play multiple sports. Um, I grew up doing that. And like, I know we're going to get into the strength and conditioning side, but like, it is so important for kids to learn how to move differently in other ways because soccer, like I know other sports are translatable, but like learning another sport, engaging, practicing another sport. It's so important for their 
complete athletic development and and kind of stays away from repetitive use. And I mean, people who are listening, parents who are listening, I know what kids play multiple sports and I know who doesn't. And I know who specializes too soon because while they might be good at that sport, they're just missing little nuances in their movements, right? That make it different. Like we can think of uh, Vasily Lomachenko. He does like ballroom dancing. He plays tennis and he's about, you know what I mean? Like doing all these different things to really kind of complete who they are as an athlete. So I'm all for it. I'm that coach that I'll like, you have to miss a game. No, there's, or practices, you know what happens if you miss practice, you're going to lose a little game time, but like go do your thing, go play. And then that time to specialize comes in high school where stuff starts to get really kind of competitive. If that's the decision they choose, right. To stick with soccer, but I'm all for it. I love it. I think it's really good for them to learn how to, to do multiple sports. Yeah, no, I've, I've talked to a lot of players um, and those that have played other sports have definitely been able to use those things to their advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like one of one of my uh, good friends, uh, Mariah Lee, um, grew up playing uh, basketball. So she's a, like a point mm-hmm. guard, but she plays striker as well. Oh, yeah. And so she's able to use she's able to use her body a lot better mm-hmm. um, using her footwork, those types of things, using using basketball moves essentially to kind of like get on the ball and, and get around defenders. Um, she's been able to use that to her advantage and like being speedy also helps on top of that. Oh yeah. Um, so I definitely, I'm definitely an advocate as well of, you know, playing multiple sports, like diversify, yeah. man. like you gotta. You're only young once. Like, like you said, act, activate different muscles, yeah. activate different moves. Activate yeah. your brain differently. And plus that's the other thing too, is these parents are like, I want my kid to be a pro soccer player or whatever. I'm like, well, that's great. But like have them play other sports because what that might be your calling for them. But like, what if their calling is volleyball or baseball? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I just don't think it's yeah. fair to pigeonhole a kid. You know what I mean? Really soon. I think that kids, even if they want to be pigeonholed in their one sport, like I've told multiple parents, they're like, well, she wants to just play soccer. Go put her in volleyball. Even if it's rec, who cares? Go play basketball. Basketball is great for soccer. doesn't matter. Check it out, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and another thing that we're starting to see happening at younger ages um, is mental performance coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, so how important is that type of training at the youth level? Just as important. I think that if these kids can get tools on how to handle stressful situations, how to handle performance anxiety, how to handle being in a championship match and how to control your breathing at like eight, nine, 10, then when they're 18, 19, 20 in college, their tools, like their resilience is would. I can't even imagine, you know, if we kind of have that happening in our club, like having our mental performance coach jump in and, you know, my, one of my girls went to their first college showcase at like 11 and they were nervous. So I, they met with the uh, mental performance coach, Sam, right before, and she gave them, shout, shout out, out Sam. to Sam. She's amazing. Um, gave them some tools. Okay. So when you're nervous, circle breasts, they showed up to the game. They were all nervous. They got together. They did an activity, like a little team bonding activity right away. And then they were set. I'm like, oh man, back in my day, my first college showcase, I was shivering in my cleats. Like I was so nervous and I didn't know how to handle it. And I think I choked the first game, you know, <laughs> like, but like they have tools and like, I see them on the field doing their like, which sometimes it's really cute. You're like, you don't have to, okay. You're just doing it literally. That's fine. But they'll just like, so cool so i'm that's i think it's equally as important if you can keep your mentals together in the words of marshawn lynch then you can get your chicken so mm-hmm. that's how i'm definitely <laughs> <laughs> i'm for sure, with for it. sure 
All right. What What is one of the craziest experiences that you've had as a coach that you could share? Mm. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think one of the craziest experiences I had was when I first uh, started coaching. My first one of my first coaching jobs was to coach three to five year olds. And I was 16. And I'll never forget, I was told I was showing up to be an assistant. And so I just came, you know, whatever. My mom dropped me off. And that's another topic. I actually never wanted to coach, but we can talk about that later. But here I am. So my mom dropped me off. She's like, Miha, you need to get out of the house. It's summer. Go make some money. Go coach. So dropped off. All right. Coach comes, drops a bunch of ball, like three ball bags, cones and pennies, and is like, all right, Gina, I got to go. You got this. And there was 43 to five-year-old little kids. I'm 16. This is my first gig. I I wish I had a mental performance coach now because I at that time I was panicking. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. It was chaos. Just it was you? just me. Yeah. And the way he like told oh me, <laughs> I was like, I got left hanging. And so like I did what I only thought I could do. So we played like banana tag and like, but that was probably the most crazy. I've had other, you know, obviously parents and stuff, but in my mind, maybe because that was my first experience, but that was, that was wild. I remember my mom picked me up and I was just like shell shocked. And she was like, how was it? I'm like, I can't talk about it right now. (laughs) But it was awesome though. The kids had fun. I got compliments. So I did something, but I was freaking out. Yeah, that guy definitely finessed. You. Oh, finessed. For real. He went he went to happy hour. Bro, I think I think <laughs> I got like I feel like that I felt like a freshman or something. I must have been getting like hazed as a coach or something. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, that was the one that came to my head right away. <laughs> <laughs> nah, that's funny. All right, so let's let's complete this Gina Woodward trifecta here. Yeah. Right. So, you know, player, coach. You're also a trainer and physical physical performance coach. Mm-hmm. So talk about how you got into that space. Oh, man. I mean, that's, I think that was just my calling. And I knew it from a young age. I, you know, I'm going to take some steps back. As a player, I was the underdeveloped one. Like, I didn't start developing until, like, I didn't start menstruating until high school. So I was the smallest girl on the team. I remember referees coming up to me and like, oh, are you playing on your older sister's team? And I'm like, back up. No, I'm just small, right? Um so like I had a coach tell me that like, hey, if you ever want to play at a high level, you you have to get bigger and stronger, which was pretty ridiculous. But, you know, parents took it to heart and I started working at this place called Cats in uh, Southern California. And I I went from just the tiniest girl, like a Jack Russell Terrier out there just doing my best to like kind of starting to get a little more speed holding off the bigger girls a little bit more. And it felt good. It felt so good. And like kept training. I went, I trained a couple years later, I started to grow. I went to this performance facility called Exos and it helped me so much. Like I just, I was falling behind and like that physical side, um, seeing how it was just a game changer for me and how I was blowing past girls on my team and on the other team fit. And taking that into college and just moving on, like I, I just, I saw the value in it. And so then I wanted to be a doctor and I just had this moment. I'm like, actually, I want to be more involved in my athlete's life. How can I help them? I want to do 
exactly what was done to me because there's nothing better there's than that self-confidence you earn when you weren't the fastest player on the field and all of a sudden you are outrunning girls and you're holding them off. And so that feeling is my passion. I want to give that feeling to others and I live for it. When I see that aha moment in my athletes' faces, when they're feeling it themselves on the field, they feel fit, they feel strong. Coach Gina, oh, oh this weekend, I burned this person on the field. That's never happened. Oh, it was so cool. My coach told me I looked so much faster. Like, it takes me back to that moment. I live for it. And that's literally how I got into it. And that's why I'm here. And obviously experiences being injured help, but it's that feeling of confidence. I want everyone to feel that. That's my, that's my journey is how can I make every athlete feel the best and be their best selves on the, on the field and just do work. <laughs> Go beast mode. Nice, yeah. nice. Yeah, for sure. And, and you own a couple of training and performance businesses. Mm -hmm. um, so talk about your entrepreneurial journey. Like what are some things that you learned along the way? I mean, oh, man, being an entrepreneur, it's a constant learning journey. You know, like I feel like every day is a new lesson. But I think the biggest thing is, and it's funny, I speak on confidence, but as an entrepreneur, like you, you have to really, and I'm still learning, I'm working on this, is like owning yourself too. And like being, like owning your work and being like, hey, like, owning my value and understanding my value has been very difficult because when you're first starting off at anything, you're, I mean, you're still grinding, but it's like, how can I get more clients? So I'm just going to put myself out there, $5 training sessions, donation-based training sessions, you know what I mean? And just like kind of starting from there, but like kind of getting into some momentum now is that's kind of one of the biggest challenges I see is continuing to value myself and, you know, and being okay with that. Like, and also being okay to grind. Like you said, what else do you do? How many how many things do you have going on? You know, it's, it's just kind of making right. a plan and grinding. I really don't see it much different than being an athlete, you know? Right, right. So tell me a little bit about, or tell us a little bit about the businesses that you have. Like this is promotion Yeah. Time. So the next level soccer one you see is just the one that I started when I was playing uh, professionally for the Breeze. I had some girls that wanted training. So like that's still there, but like my reel is FaceFit. I just came from teaching a class. Um, so FaceFit is, that is my, that's my gym. I have a few other partners, but we're out of Albany and it's an athletic performance development gym. Whether you're a weekend warrior, a youth athlete looking to get better or you're a professional athlete, our goal, you know, our goal is to make everyone find their optimal self, their optimal athlete, and maybe even recognizing that they have athletic potential, you know? And so that's kind of where we are, where I am now with that is, is that face fit and just, um, yeah, getting, and we're just growing. So it's like, it's like a conversation that we're having now, but like we opened up right before the mm -hmm. pandemic. <laughs> so yeah, oh, July man. of 2019. So it was like, now that we've survived the pandemic, I almost feel like we're almost we're not back to where we started, but we're in a different phase of let's get our momentum back, which is kind of where we are now. Mm -hmm. How did you guys sustain during the pandemic? <laughs> like, what are some things that you guys? Oh did my gosh! To kind of keep to the keep lights the lights on. I mean, we started off. I think on our YouTube we have like two hundred and seventy five videos. We would film six days a week. Um, live stream on Instagram and then post it onto YouTube for our members um, who think to, I mean, honestly, really, we are still open because our members were able to continue paying their membership. 
and I really don't know how we would have done it without them. They were, they're so supportive, but we try to give them as much content. And I think that's how we survived was content, content, videos, workouts. I did mobility workouts and then we have eventually transitioned outside. And then that's helped too was kind of just, I honestly, I think it was just adapting, like adapt or die kind of thing. Right. Like, and that's how we've maintained those doors, staying open and going, I've been doing zoom. We did zoom personal training, like whatever, you know, whatever we could do just to keep, just to stay alive for sure. <laughs> nah, straight up. Like you gotta do what you mm -hmm. gotta do. Right. Um, there and we're actually we're starting to see a lot more of that as well like virtual yeah. training and things like that um like what, what are your thoughts on that a and then b you know are is that something that you guys are looking to incorporate with phase fit or is that like you know another tier or something that you're looking well, to, to kind of add to the yeah i mean so i guess we we currently do like i do that like i do zooms but like in terms of like a platform that yeah. would that's something that we're definitely interested in um but like I'm sorry, what was the beginning part of the question? <laughs> Down the rabbit hole. Um, you're starting to see a lot yeah, more. Yeah, yeah, you are. Yeah, you're starting to see a lot more. And I'm, I'm cool with it. So like, what are your thoughts uh, on it? I like it. I like it. It is difficult. I mean, I guess what's difficult for me is like having the online platform. I guess what I'm really into is I like to be involved. So like when, when you have like the online training, sometimes I feel like it just kind of becomes like programming maybe a person behind it, but it's not very personal. Right. And so, I mean, I think it's great, but like if I were to do online, I think I would still, or one of my trainers, I would like to still be face to face like this so we can correct technique. Cause that's something that I'll speak for myself. I'm a technique freak. You have to do it right. And so like when I'm here, like I would be worried about my clients doing it wrong. So like when I'm in here, I'm always watching, you know, making sure they're doing it right. So I guess that's my midline is I love it but I, I want to make sure they're doing it right. So like, how could I do that? Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, so, so more of like a supplemental training. Yeah. Or maybe an option rather than like, like yeah. Primary. Oh, for sure. Like yeah. my primary is face to face, but if people, you know, there's still people that don't feel comfortable and that's totally fine if they don't feel like they're comfortable to come to a gym. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's an option, but it's not our bread and butter for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you see a lot of a lot of young athletes yes. in your practice. Um, what are some habits or misconceptions that these young athletes come to you with that you find yourself correcting? Oh my often? gosh, teenage boys, and I want to get stronger. I want to get more muscle. I think that is probably the biggest one. And like you know, it's some of them kind of come to me. I usually get them a little too late. So a lot of them do like the bodybuilding splits. And then when they recognize they're super slow on the field, they can't breathe, they're heavy. I come, they come to me normally at that point. They're like, coach Gina, I don't know what's wrong. Like, I just want more muscle, but like, I'm so slow. I'm like, dude, look, guard ladies too. I'm like, look, about gaining muscle, what you see on Instagram, they are not athletes. They don't play sports. They don't like, they look nice. That's what we call training for aesthetics. We train for performance because our body is going to be used as a tool to play a sport. So we look different. We're built different. Those workouts, like I said, they're just to look a certain way. This is how you train. And so then I run them through one of my training sessions and I'm like, was that difficult? Yeah. I'm like, you're still going to get muscle like doing this stuff. So it's like kind of airing out the Instagram fads and stuff with like 
what's real and like necessary for their sport. I think that's the biggest one too. And then the flip side of good girls telling me or everyone, I don't want to get too much muscle. Well, that's not what we're training for. We're training for our sport. So while you're going to get stronger, you're not going to get bulky. Like that's actually very difficult to do. Like that's not our sport at all. So I'd say those are the big ones. And then I think the other biggest one that I deal with a lot with other coaches too, is like how to actually get soccer fit. That one is like one that I usually have to finesse with like the old school crowd because, you know, they have their way of doing things, but science is science. And what I say is like running five miles isn't going to get you soccer fit. It's like you telling me that this Nokia phone has more like is higher, um, higher technology than my iPhone 12. Like technology progresses and so does sports. So I think that's another big one is kind of airing out the old school methodologies of like how to get in shape versus like the new school way of energy systems development, like heart rates and zones and stuff like that. So those are like the three big ones that all the time. It's funny you say I literally had yesterday, a kid came up to me. He's like, my coach says I need to put on muscle. Like I work on back. I do back and chest today. And I'm like, no, like our, our sport isn't, our sport isn't a muscle group sport, homie. We have to use multiple joints, multiple moves. You know what I mean? Like, so that's airing that out is, is very common. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, for sure. I I can only imagine like the type of stuff that you hear and the types of things that, you know, coaches who may not be, they may just be pure soccer coaches. They may not be performance coaches. They may not have that understanding or that, you know, that traditional understanding, or they may, like you said, maybe a little bit more old school. Um, So they're like, it's more like pace and power type of thing versus, you know, actual skill and technique. Or let's run them into Um, the ground until everyone throws up. And that's how we get fit. I'm like, you don't really have to do that. Like, (laughs) It's very much like like an American thing though. You know, very American thing. Like you see that like in, in basketball, football as well. Like, like run, 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 you know, like, stronger better faster that's basically all i hear stronger better faster stronger better faster i'm like well there's other things we can do too like (laughs) but yeah for sure you're absolutely right yeah all right so as we you know wrap things up you know you're a member of the Mm -hmm. town council um so what impacts are you looking forward to making through the town? i'm looking for this to be like just women's soccer experience that I've never had. I mean, I'm really looking to just build a community, which I'm currently collecting of players that I think would represent us, uh, that have interests in fostering and developing our younger girls teams and our, maybe our U21 team. I just, I want this to be like, I want it, I want it to be everyone involved. I, like I said, I, I, I'm just envisioning or doing my best to envision the women's soccer side, something that I would have always wanted as a younger player. So like being able, taking, having my teammates wanting to, not making them, because obviously when you play pro or on a team, oh, we have to do a guest appearance. No, like I want women on the team that want to go, hey, my 2010s are playing in the tournament. You guys are around. You guys want to come watch them? Yeah, for sure. Come watch them. Come support them. Like, hey, look, some of the town's here to come watch you guys play or they're going to come jump in your session. Like, I just want it to be boots on the ground and like get these girls inspired because I think that's really what they're missing is like they see everyone else on TV, but like who's here to just jump in and be like, hey, what's up, ladies? Like, that's what I want. I want 
I just want it community-based, but also I do want to win. So like having that that competitive balance too, like, but just giving, giving the opportunity and like laying the groundwork for the future. Cause I think that's what we can do as senior players and players that are exiting the scene is like, what can we give back and how can we make it better, easier for the following future? Cause that's, that's our sport there. That's our show for this week. Thank you for tuning in. Please subscribe, rate, and review. It helps us get discovered. Follow us on the socials at the town underscore FC. Stay up to date on important news around the club by signing up for our Town Chronicles newsletter at thetownfc.com. And as always, tweet us your comments on the show, any topics you want us to discuss, and more. Peace out.